having a conversation with your king. But you know, it's so funny because I go and I, you know, I try to prepare for messages and everything. And when Pat goes and prepares for messages, he goes up to his prayer, you know, room and he shuts the door and he goes there. No one bothers him. No one goes knocking on the door. You know, if anything, Abby may just slide a note under every now and then saying, hey, dad, you know, (laughs) and everything. But everyone just expects it's what he does. Let's leave dad alone. He needs to study. But when I have to study... It's like, what's wrong with mom? What, I mean, is she going in there to die? You know, I mean, like, mom never has to get by herself. I can't even go to the bathroom without people knocking on the door. You know, it's like, you know, so I go in there, and I'm trying to study, and Abby's knocking on the door, Pat's, you know, coming in. You know, every, he's the worst, okay? Because every five minutes, like, what you doing? Well, you know, I'm like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm preparing for a message. Nate calls me from Dallas. He's like, what you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm writing a sermon, Nate. You know, I, you know, I'm trying to study. And he goes, okay, well, I just wanted to tell you about my day and about everything that's gone on in the past week. And I'm like, what part of I'm preparing for a sermon did you not understand? And so, and then the dog is outside the door, scratching at the door, whining. Like, mom must be dying if she has to go outside or go, you know, away from the family. But, you know, so many times that's how it is. We find it so difficult to get alone with God. To find that, that intimate time where it's just you and God. Just you and the Father. Just you and Him where you can hear His voice. With all the other distractions going on around you. God wants an intimate moment with you. And it doesn't take a long time. It doesn't take spending the whole day. Just one moment in His presence. And that's what he wants from you. And so, so many times as we find it and we struggle to find that intimate moments with him, he's constantly crying out to us to spend time with him, constantly calling out to you to have those moments with him. You see, there's a stirring in my heart tonight to share with you about a loving God that wants to embrace you, wrap you up in his arms, and tell you just how important and how special you are to him. You see, some of you may have come in here tonight, and you've come in with your hurts and your disappointments and discouragements and despair, and God says, I've come here for you tonight. So get ready, because God wants to heal people tonight. He wants to set people free tonight. But more than that, he wants to be your best friend tonight. And that's what I want to talk about. You see, I want to share something so intimate with you that you have to be willing to shed off your past in order to step into your future. You've got to be able to, when you walk in those doors, to be able to lay behind everything that has held you back and step into the future that God has for you tonight. That's what he wants for you. But I want to share a story with you tonight, a story that is so intimate to me. And So many times we read through this story in the Bible and we just look over it and think, oh, that's a cool story. But the reason they're in there is because they apply to our lives and what God wants to do in our lives. You see, I want to set the stage today because, you know, I spent most of my early years lonely. I spent most of my early years longing for a friend, longing to fit in, longing to just find my place, to find my voice. You know, you think you see people up on stage and you think, well, they just had a wonderful life. They just had, you know, everything fell into place for them. 
But I spent the majority of the early years of my life searching for significance, searching for who I was. And I'll never forget, because you see, there's going to come a point in every one of your lives, there's going to come a deciding moment that you can choose to step into what God has for you, or you can choose to walk away and to make decisions that will affect the rest of your life. You see, and God says, in that moment, when there's a decision to be made like that, I'm right there with you. I can take you and walk you through that moment. You see, because for me, that moment was at 13 years old. For me, that moment was all of those years of feeling isolated, feeling, you know, I was shy, I was awkward, I was that awkward girl, socially awkward, you know, didn't know what to say to anybody, didn't know how to, you know, be a friend, didn't know how, you know, I was just an awkward girl, okay? And so, but for me, it was at 13 years old when we went, where they sent all the seventh graders for like county after county after county got all shipped to this one seventh grade school okay it was like a prison you know (laughs) they had bobbed wire you know all around it and everything it's not like the schools they have now but everybody and then they separated you out into all your different counties and everything after that in eighth and ninth grade but it was like being sent to prison and especially for a girl who was shy and awkward and everything that was just like sentencing me to death you know i mean to send me to the school so on the first day of school I walked in, you know, and you want to run, but, I mean, you can't. There's nowhere to go. There's barbed wire everywhere, you know. And so, you know, I walked in, and I thought, you know, I hope I see someone from sixth grade. You know, I hope I see someone that knows me or that I know them. Or, you know, I thought, I just hope someone speaks to me, you know. And so I walked in, and, of course, no one did. I didn't recognize anyone. I didn't see anyone I knew. And so I saw this bench over to the side. It was a concrete bench. And I just, you know, I wanted to get there as quickly as I could just to sit down, you know, just so I wasn't just wandering, you know, hopelessly through there. So I walked over to the bench and I sat down. And, you know, you're going into the seventh grade, so you're entering into a whole new phase of your life. You know, you want to be cool. You want to be, you know, grown up and everything. But in that moment, I just wanted to cry. And I knew if I did, you know, you'll be pegged the crier for the rest of your life. So I sucked it up, you know, and I didn't cry and everything. So I'm sitting there, and I just wanted to cry because I felt so alone, so isolated, so just like I was invisible. But in that moment when I was sitting on that bench... There was a moment where I literally felt the presence of God walk up beside me and sit right down next to me. And I heard him say to me, there are those few moments in your life where you have true revelation from God, but it changes the rest of your life. And I felt him sit down beside me. And I felt in that moment as that 13-year-old little awkward girl, I felt him put his arm around me. And I heard him whisper, Karen, if you'll let me, I'll walk this journey with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I want to walk this journey with you. And in that moment, I sat there and I was all alone, but I wasn't. I was never alone. And from that day till this day, when moments come up, when situations come up in my life, my mind and my heart immediately go back to that 13-year-old little girl that says, I want to walk this journey with you. I want to walk you through this. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. 
Can I tell you, Jesus is in this room tonight and he wants to sit down next to you right where you're sitting and he wants to walk your journey with you. You see, God loves you that much that he wants to walk with you. He wants to take you by the hand. He wants to help you. And you think, well, oh, so you just became popular and you're the captain of the cheerleading team and you did it. No, I was still awkward. I was still shy. And so, but you know what? I wasn't by myself. God helped me and he walked with me through that time in my life. But you see, your life matters to God. Your life counts to him. It's time for an encounter tonight with God. That's what he's called you here. You see, an encounter is a divine appointment with God, a specific time in your life where God shows up and life changes as you know it. You see, that's what God wants tonight. You see, I want to set the stage for you about this story that we're going to talk about tonight. You see, it was hot outside. It was so hot, much like it is here. (laughs) This is hotter than anything I have ever felt. (laughs) But it was hot outside. And the disciples went to buy lunch. And Jesus went to a well that day. And he sat on the edge of the well. And in that moment, but he didn't have anything to dip the water out with. But you see, that's not why he was there. He was there because there was a woman that was coming who needed an encounter with him. You see, you're here tonight And Jesus is here because there's someone in here who needs an encounter with him tonight. You see, God says, I came tonight because there's someone who's longing to spend time with me. You see, in that moment, he wasn't there for anything else. He wasn't there for the water. He wasn't there for that. He was there for her. But she wasn't worthy of it. This woman had had five husbands, and the woman, the man that she was living with was not her husband. She was dirty. She was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were considered dogs to the Jews. She was unworthy. She was filthy. People talked bad about her. People avoided her on the street. Women wouldn't talk to her in the grocery store. This woman did not deserve any act of kindness. You see, but what kind of God talks to a woman like that? My Jesus. You see, my Jesus talks to those who no one else wants to talk to. He loves those who no one else wants to reach out to and love. They're his favorite. He loves them that much. But you see, he had decided that day that she was worth going to the well for. But when she walked up, she was startled because she had purposely went there at a time when no one else would be there. And so she was startled to come across him. You know, I bet she was ashamed. I bet she hung her head down low. I bet she walked probably around the other side of the well to avoid him. I bet she was ashamed. You see, have you ever felt like you couldn't look into the eyes of Jesus because maybe he wouldn't have eyes of compassion and grace for you? You see, that must have been how she felt that day. You see, John 4, 7 says, A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. And Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to a Samaritan. You see, the world may call you dirty. 
The world may call you filthy. The world may call you worthless. The world may call you counted out. But God calls you his child. You see, God doesn't call you by some of the things you're called in school. He doesn't call you by the names that people call you at school. He calls you his child, his son, his daughter. See, change has been waiting on you tonight. Change has been calling out to you. This woman was all alone. She went at noon when no one else would be there, but specifically because she didn't want to face anyone. She hung her head low. She was ashamed. She looked at no one. You see, I understand for God to use someone greatly, they must have an encounter with the king. They must have a moment, that one-on-one moment, where you allow God to set your heart in a new direction, where you allow God to come in and do surgery on your heart. Because you see, there are times when God needs to spread open your heart in front of him and do work inside of you. How many of you know, I've had a lot of surgeries <laughs> from different things, from car accidents and stuff. So I have scars. I have sur- I've had surgeries. And you know, and you go to the doctor. How many of you know, when you go to the doctor, you walk in and you say, okay, doctor, okay, something's wrong with me. I hurt right here. And how many of you know, he has the nerve, the audacity to push right where it hurts. And you're like, okay, seriously, I just said it hurts right there, you know. But how many of you know he has to push on the area of pain so that he can bring healing to that very area, so he knows, so he can get in there and do the work. You see, some of you have come in here with pain. Some of you have come in here with hurts, and God says it may hurt right now, but it's going to bring healing to your life. It's going to bring healing to people around you. When you survive this, you are going to bring life to those around you. You see, God says, I've come here to do surgery night. I've come here to be the great physician for you tonight. I've come here because I have the answer to every single one of your needs. You see, God wants to do a work. But change in the form of a Savior had arrived. Romans 12, 1 through 3 says, So here's... So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, God is calling you to something so new, so powerful, so amazing, that it will change the very being of who you are. That's what God wants to do. This message is for those who have come in and you're so afraid of what people think because they know what you did last Friday night, what they know what you did last night, they know what you did at school. These, this message is for those who have come into the back and who are afraid to come up and worship because you're so chained to your seat because of the sins and the things that have held you back. But God says, I've called you here because I've got the tools to break every chain, break everything off of your life. And he says, don't be ashamed. Step forward and receive your victory. That's what God wants for your life. It's time to change our clothes, to change the wineskins, change the names that the world has called us by. You see, time to throw away the old and step into the new of what God has for us. Mark 2.22 says, he went on. 
No one cuts up a fine silk scarf to patch old work clothes. You put fabrics that match, and you don't put your wine in cracked bottles. God says, I'm not calling you just to cover up what's going on inside of you. I'm calling you to be healed from the inside out so that the transformation will be evident to everyone who comes in contact with you. He said, I want to change you from the inside out. Girls have been healed of scars when Pat has been preaching lately because in their... Their scars have been disappearing from where they cut themselves. And they've asked, why does God do that? Because he wants the world to see that he is a loving, healing God that can heal them from the inside out. You see, it reminds me of a butterfly. And, of course, my daughter, Abby, loves butterflies. She thinks they're the most beautiful thing. We have to go to the butterfly gardens every time we go to the zoo and to the botanical gardens and and everything. But it reminds me of a butterfly because a butterfly goes through a metamorphosis. It goes through many, many changes. And that word in the Greek means transformation. God says, I want to do do to you like the butterfly. Because the butterfly goes through all these stages from the egg to the larva to the caterpillar to the cocoon to a beautiful butterfly. But you see, there's a struggle involved to get to be a beautiful butterfly. You see, that butterfly has to work and struggle to become the butterfly. You see, most of this generation just sees themselves as the worm. They can't see them pa- themselves past the larva, past the, the junk, past the just slithering around on the ground. You know, most of us can't see ourselves past that. But we have to leave behind a few things and leave behind a lot of junk in our lives to become that beautiful butterfly. You see, we get stuck in the cocoon phase because we get so caught up in the struggle that we say it's not worth it. We're not willing to fight to get through the struggle. And we just give up and we stay in the cocoon, and we stay bound up by the chains and the things that have held us down. When God says, I never called you to stay that way. I called you to break out and to break free so that you could soar. You see, we get so stuck because we're not willing to dig ourselves out. You see, for those of you who may not realize, my daughter and all of her little friends, if they see a butterfly that it's struggling to get out of the the cocoon, they want to run over, they want to help it, they want to break open the cocoon and to set it free so that it can fly. But what they don't understand is if they break open that cocoon to set that butterfly free, the minute it's free, it'll die and fall to the ground because it's the struggle that strengthens its wings to soar. Their wings will never get strong unless they've struggled to get out of the cocoon. You see, so many of us, we want an easy way out. We want everyone just to fix our problems. We just want everybody to walk up and say, oh, do this or do that. We don't want to go through the struggle. But can I tell you, I went through a lot of struggles in my life, and I don't regret it because it's made me the woman that I am today. It's given me the strength that I have today. You see, it wasn't fun when I was going through it. It didn't feel good when I was going through it. I resented it and I hated it when I was going through it. But I look back and I think I couldn't face now if I hadn't walked through that. I wouldn't have the strength that I have now if I didn't walk through that. You see, God says, I've called you. Everything you go through is not about you. It's about a bigger picture. You see, change requires help and Jesus wants to help you. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says, So friends, take a firm stand, feet on the ground, and head high. 
Keep a tight grip on what you were taught, whether in personal conversation or by our letter. May Jesus himself and God our Father, who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, enliven your, your speech. I want to share that in one moment, in one encounter, God can change you. But in that time, in those moments... I imagine that God is calling out to you. Can I have a minute of your time? Can I have a moment with you? You see, we have to come to a place where we're willing to receive what God has for us. He says, can I have one moment of your time? You see, God is about to sit down next to some people in this room. He's about to change some lives in this room. As this service is going forward, you're going to feel his arms wrap around you in this room. And you're going to realize that you're not alone, that you're not walking by yourself, that you haven't been by yourself, that he's been right there with you. You see, There's an urging for us to go deeper, deeper than we've ever went. Urging to say that he wants to walk with you. You see, if he'll interrupt the Samaritan woman, how much more will he interrupt you and interrupt your life and come to your rescue? He wants to invade this room tonight. You see, God says, I want to invade your world. I want to invade your life. I want to invade that private life that you have and bring healing to you. He wants to get you alone and spend time with him. The answers that you are looking for are in him. If you will turn off the computer, if you will turn off the TV, if you'll turn off the iPod, if you'll turn off Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of those things that constantly invade our world then he will spend time with you. You see, I can promise you that the world will not fall apart if I don't see a post of what you had for lunch on Instagram. You see, God says, I want to invade your world, but in order to do that, you have to listen. You have to be listening to what I have to say. You see, Psalms 119.41 says, Let your love, God, shape my life with salvation. Exactly as you have promised. Then I'll be able to stand up to the mockery because I trusted your word. Don't ever deprive me of truth. Not ever. Your commandments are what I depend on. Oh, I'll guard my guard it with my life, which you've revealed to me. Guard it now. Guard it ever. And I'll stride freely through wide open spaces as I look for your truth and your wisdom. Then I'll tell the world what I find. Speak out boldly in public. Unembarrassed. I cherish your commandments. Oh, how I love them. Relish every fragment of your counsel. You see, God is calling us to not just a deeper walk with him, not just intimacy, but he's calling us to take hold of gifts that he's giving us. He wants us to walk in wisdom, walk in purity, walk in integrity, walk in godly character. We have given our students at our school a challenge, a wisdom challenge, because God says, I am calling this generation to walk in wisdom and discernment so that they can hear when I am calling their name. You see, we need wisdom in our life because many times in our walk, in our Christian walk, wisdom will prevent you from going places that your spirit man may not be strong enough to get you out of. See, God is calling us to wisdom. But can I tell you that when God comes near, it is so amazing. It's like nothing you've ever experienced. It's like nothing you've ever felt. It's like nothing that you could ever imagine. This woman was a Samaritan, yet he was asking her for a drink. 
Yet she was the one who had her thirst quenched. You see, God says, I'm calling out to you. Will you please spend time with me? John 4.10 says, Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. And I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. I love that. The Bible is so frank. You don't even have a bucket to draw with. And this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again and again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. You see, how many of you can see where this woman has went from shame to desiring what God had to give her? See, her eyes had been opened. You see, she didn't want to go back to the well, not because it was hot, not because it was just cumbersome, not because it was all of those things. She didn't want to go back because she was ashamed. She's like, if you've got something to give me that will take away my shame, if you've got something to give me that will take away my pain and my hurt, it will take away the sneers and the jeers and the the talking behind my back. If you'll take away that, then I want this water. That's why she said, I won't ever have to come back here. I won't ever have to be embarrassed again. I won't ever have to be the ridicule of everyone, the looks, all those sneers. She had to go at the hottest point of the day. She didn't want to go back. You see, but by the time we get to verse 23, she realized that he was the real deal. Only 15 minutes in his presence and her life, she was having hope filled into her life. You see, that's what God wants for you. He wants those moments that you spend in His presence for Him to be able to fill you up with joy, fill you up with hope and a future. He wants those things for your life. See, He was offering her living water. He was offering her freedom from her pain. He was offering her life and a future and a release from her past. That's what He was offering her. You see, John 4.23 was, It's who you are. And the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's what kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. You see, it's not just the words that you speak. It's not just everybody. We all have our own little, you know, way that we can praise just the way we're supposed to. We can walk the way we're supposed to. We can say all the right Christian words. But God says it's not about what you say. It's about the life that you're living, not just here, but at home, in the privacy of your own home, in your bedroom, on the computer, with your friends. God says it's the way you live that counts before God. He told her her history and then he showed her her future. You see, that's what God, he exposes the truth in our lives and then shows us our future. That's what God wants for you. You see, look at John 4, 25. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. And when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, he said. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. You see, All of us so many times are running around trying to find our significance, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find, you know, who we are, trying to find it in so many different things, in all the wrong places. When God says, I'm right here, 
just turn around and I've got my arms out reached out for you. God says, I am right here. I am the answer that you're looking for. He convinced this woman that he was the living water and she ran into the city as fast as she could. And she left her watering jug behind. She did all that, but she brought the whole city to Jesus. Her secret encounter with God changed an entire city. You see, if you will get on your face, if you will get on your knees, if you will turn off all the distractions of your world, all the distractions of your life, all your self-pity, your little pity parties, we've all had them. If you'll stop being selfish, if you'll just get on your face and cry out to God and said, I give you everything. Your families will be changed. Your school will be changed. Your work will be changed. This city will be changed. God is looking for a remnant of people, a remnant of young people and adults that will cry out to him without being ashamed, without looking back, so that he can pour out his spirit on them and their city. God wants to be here and invade your world. See, we need to realize that everything that we go through is not just about us. It's about other people who need an encounter with God. So many times we are so selfish with our own worship, selfish with everything, like it's all about us. But God says, it's not about you. Because if I can get you on your face, if I can get you free, then someone else who's struggling, who sees you walk out your freedom, will have the courage and the strength to get free themselves. You see, your life matters. You see, did you think that I at 13 years old thought that one day that shy little awkward girl who felt invisible and no one even heard her would be preaching across the nation? I would have laughed at you. Did you think that 13 year little, 13 year old little girl thought that she would marry a man who was changing a generation for God? Or raise a son that is now following in his father's footsteps? Did you think that 13-year-old little girl would think that the, she had no voice, would one day hear the voice of her daughter crying out in another nation to give her a voice? You see, God says it's not about you. It's about a nation that God wants you to be a part of rescuing a generation. He says, if I can get a hold of you, if I can get you free, then I'll get the rest of them free. You see, there are lessons to learn from our encounters with God. See, what if tonight, just as that Samaritan woman, Jesus came up and sat down by you tonight. Would you recognize him? Would you scoot over to let him sit by you? Or would you just turn the other direction? You see, God says, I want to have that encounter. Maybe this is how the conversation would go with him. I imagine first he would come up and he would introduce himself. And he would ask you how you're doing. You see, but then I imagine he would look at you and say, I knew you first. I knew you before anyone else knew you. I knew you before you were even born. I saw you. I knit you together. You see, I imagine he would say, I saw you last night. I knew you before what happened last night. I knew you and saw you last Friday night. I saw you when you were with your friends. But guess what? I still love you. I still want to be your best friend. I still want to heal you. 
I still want to hang out with you. I still want to spend time with you. Psalms 139 says, Oh yes, you shaped me first inside the now. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Nothing is hidden before him. Everything is out in the open before him. You see, then I imagine he would say to you, Am I not enough? Am I not enough for you? You see, there's many times that God's reminded me of my childhood. Growing up with not a lot, being poor, you know, you know, not having all the right clothes, not having all the right, you know, not wanting, you know, to have friends over because you don't have all the things that they have or you don't, you know, we didn't have a lot. But you know what's so crazy about that? When I was going through it, I didn't realize it because I had parents who taught us, you work hard for what you get. You work hard and you appreciate what you have. And so we didn't know we had, didn't have a whole lot because we were, we thought that we had it all. You know, I remember one year my mom worked at a sewing factory and we didn't have a whole lot of money for Christmas and everything. And my mom worked at the sewing factory and she gathered up all the scraps that year. The boss had said that she could have whatever scraps were on the floors. And I have two sisters, so there were three of us girls. And she gathered all the scraps off the floors to make us winter coats that year for Christmas. And you can imagine, I mean, it's a hodgepodge of different things. But I look back and I thank God for that. And I always thought that coat was my coat of many colors that God gave me to show me that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're going through, I always provide for my children. I always take care of my children. I always love my children. You are never alone. You are never by yourself. You see, God says, I'm always with you. And he says, am I not enough for you? We're always thinking, if I can just get more stuff, if I can have a better car, if I can have that new pair of shoes, if I can have the new phone, if I can have all that stuff. And God says, am I not enough for you? Hebrews 13.5 says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? You see, he is all I need. He is all I've ever needed. You see, I am a warrior. I am a a force to be reckoned with. The devil can't mess with me. I have the king of kings on my side. You see, there's nothing I face in my life that I can't overcome because he is my king. He is the lover of my soul. He is everything to me. And if you have that moment with him... Like that 13-year-old experience. You will never walk away because you will have one glimpse. That's all it takes is one glimpse of what he has for you. To change you forever. You see, God says, I want you to know how much I love you. 
So many of us are always in search of significance, whether it's through peer acceptance or whether it's through how many friends we have on Facebook or how many Twitter friends we have or all of those different things. But God says, I want to be all you need. I want to give you a voice. See, God is calling to real, calling a generation to realize that with Him, there is contentment in Him. See, tonight it's time to become proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. Everything that cannot be seen. Fulfillment that cannot be bought, that can't be seen, but can be evident in everything in our life. You see, I don't care. If you strip everything away from me, I want there to be something in my life that shows that I have been with the king. You see, just as we had talked about last night, being pregnant and being pregnant with a vision. But see, when a woman is pregnant, it is evident that she has had relationship with her husband. It's an ever-reminding you know, sight to see her with that belly sticking out, that there is life inside of her. But see, what is in our lives on a daily basis that shows that we have been with our King, that shows that we have been in relationship with the Father? You see, there needs to be something that when people walk up to you, they say, she has been with the King. You see, that no matter what you go through at school, no matter what you face, that people see that there is something different about you that shows in your life. You see, Matthew 5, 5 says, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. But you know, I imagine if Jesus was to come up and sit next to him, to us, to anyone in this room, that he would say, I really am jealous for you. I really am jealous of your time. You see, I think about, you know, we watch a lot of Disney movies at our house. I have a nine-year-old. So I just imagine Jesus walking with me through the day when all the distractions of the world want to get to me and and chip away at my purity, chip away at my, you know, my relationship, my character, my integrity, because trust me, the enemy is out to destroy those things in your life. But I can just imagine as I'm walking through and the things that are coming towards me that the enemy's throwing at me, it's just like those birds on Finding Nemo, mine, 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 you know, and Jesus is just pushing things out of way because he's jealous for you. You see, in the beginning, he knit you together. You were created for one reason, and that was for friendship. You see, I think about all the times I take Abby to cheerleading and gymnastics and all those things, and there's always a little girl in the class that runs up to Abby and says, you want to be my best friend? You want to be BFF? You you know, it's almost like they break out in that little song on Disney Channel, Shake It Up, you know, the BBF thing. You know, so, but, you know, they always run up to her, and they're like, you want to be best friends? But you know what? We were created for relationship. We were created, and that's what God, I imagine God's calling you, and he's, every morning when you wake up, he's standing at the foot of your bed, and he's like, you want to be my best friend? You want to be my BFF? You want to spend time with me? But yet we get up and we find everything else to fill our time, and we don't understand why our life's not going the way that we want it to go. You see, he's saying, I want to spend time with you. And there's been so many times in my life where I felt alone and I felt rejected by peers and I felt insecure and I felt all of those things just as many as you of you have. I could be in a crowded room at times and feel all by myself, to feel all alone. But see, I had to come to a place in my life where I realized that sometimes God wanted to get me away from everything in my life that could distract me, everything in my life that could try to form me and to make me what they wanted me to be. 
And sometimes the only way he could do what he needed to do in me was to get me alone. You see, being alone sometimes is not a bad thing. Isolation is not always a bad thing because that's when God speaks to you. You see, he wants to do something so incredible in your life. There were times in my teenage years when I was in, you know, in high school. And even though I was shy, you know, you get invited to parties. Everybody gets invited to something, you know, and you get invited to parties. And I wanted to go. I want my parents would have let me go. I wanted to get out there. I wanted to, you know, to break out, to finally break out of that shyness. But there was something inside of me and God would always cry out to me. I want better for you. And as much as I wanted to go, he wouldn't let me go. And I would be angry. I would argue with God. God, why can't you just let me go? I'm strong enough. And he says, because I want better for you. I have something better for you. But you have to spend time with him in order to hear his voice. See, James 4, 4 says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God in his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The Proverbs has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud and God gives grace to the willing humble. You see, he's crying out to you, please just be mine. Please stay just mine. See, God's looking for people who will desire him above anything else, who will desire him above the cheering crowd, who will desire him above any other friendships, any other things in their life, so that you can have a pure heart. See, so many times we find it hard to be alone with him because he knows the real us. We don't want to face the real us. We don't want to face the things in our lives that are tearing us down and everything. But God says, I already know you. Just spend time with me. Because you see, purity is governed by its own value. Purity is governed by the value that you place on it. And God is calling a generation to purity tonight. God is calling a generation to step up. Because Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to see him. I want my eyes to be opened so that I can see his loving face looking down on me. So I can see the love of a true father, the love that he has to give us. But you're not going to see it if you're not walking a pure God, a pure life. God's calling you to a life of purity. You see, before this woman at the well had an encounter with God, she didn't put a lot of, you know, a lot of stock in her own purity or even her life. She just felt dirty and unworthy. Because when you sell out to the world's concept of happiness, you rob yourself of your innocence. You see, I have Abby pray over her innocence and her purity every day because every day the enemy is chipping away at it. I want her to be prepared. You see, God says he wants to declare a righteous innocence in you. Purity will only be as important in your life as the value that you place on it. It's a lifestyle. It's a heart condition. It's more than just saying no on a date. It's the condition of your heart before you went on the date. God's calling a generation to rise up. The enemy would love for you to settle for counterfeits. See, stop being a cheap imitation of a great original that God has called you to be. He has called you to greatness. He has called you to success. See, it's when we spend time in his presence that we realize who we truly are. He's not anti-fun. He's anti-pain. He's anti-regret. He's anti-shame. He wants you to walk in freedom and healing. He wants you to walk in purity. 
See, God is looking for purity warriors that will rise up in this house tonight. He is looking for warriors that will stand up and declare that I am going to live a life of purity so that I can see his presence. You see, God is looking for heroes of integrity to rise up. The world will tell you that your value is tied to how many people that you can get. But God says your value is tied to him and his love for you. You see, is there anyone in this room? who will rise up and take the stand for purity. My daughter, this generation, my daughter's generation is looking for heroes. They're looking for role models. They're looking for people that can say, I want to be like that. Are you going to step up and be the ones that will lead a generation to see God's face? See, God loves you so much. There needs to be a stand for purity. Step up and lead. There are people in this room. There are young people in this room who are natural born leaders. People follow you. People want to be like you. People want to do the things you do at school. But can I tell you something? Lead. But if you're going to lead, be going somewhere worth people following you. Lead where God is going. You see, be an example. Because if you're not... That leadership gift is just that. It's a gift from God. And if you won't lead in the right direction, he'll strip it away from you and give it to somebody else that will. So rise up. Be leaders in this generation. Hebrews 13 says, stay on good terms with each other. Held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. Regard prisoners as if you were in prison with them. Look on victims of abuse as if what happened to them has happened to you. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. You see, your beauty and your brawn must come from the value that you place on God's vision of you. It has to come from seeing yourself through God's eyes, through his mirror of love, through his looking glass. So that he can show you who you are. When you know who you are and who God has called you to be, you won't struggle with worrying about what other people want you to be. God says, I have called you for a specific purpose, a specific plan. He's calling you to stop being manipulated, intimidated, because you are better than that. You see, stop shrinking back, being afraid to stand up. People are looking for someone to follow. Be that person. Be the one that they can follow. And he cries out to you, please don't go there. It's too dangerous. See, God cries out to you, please, sin is death. It's dangerous out there. Be on guard. The way of God brings life to you. See, we need to stop. You know, I am probably one of those people that you could call, I don't know, directionally challenged. Okay, we've drove back and forth to this church several times since I've been here. And I still could not tell you what direction to turn when you leave the parking lot. Because I, I just don't. I'm directionally challenged. I could get lost in the convenience store. And so I go outside after buying groceries and I have to set the alarm off on my car to find my car in the parking lot. But God says, I have given you a GPS, God's positioning system. You see, he says, I've given you my word. The word of God is your GPS. It's your roadmap for life. I don't go on a trip. When I go on a trip, I have my GPS. I have MapQuest directions. I have, you know, somebody I can call in case, you know, I still get lost and everything. I don't leave home without it because without it, I am just a lost idiot out on the street. And so... 
But God says that's what you do every time you get up in the morning and you go to school without spending time in his presence. You walk outside without your roadmap to life. And God says, what are you going to do when the enemy throws up a roadblock? What are you going to do when he throws up a detour? What are you going to do when there's a crash in the road right in front of you and your friends just crash and burn? What are you going to do? God says, I've given you the roadmap to your life. Read it and pay attention to it. He says, I've given you everything you need. First John 3, 6 says, all who indulge in a sinful life are dangerous, dangerously lawless. For sin is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There is no sin in him, and sin is not part of this program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ because they've got him all backward. You see, God wants you to have a life full of joy and peace, and he expects your freedom to last. You see, he wants you to finish the race, not fall by the wayside. God says, I just want you to run the race. I don't care if you're the fastest runner. I don't care if you finish the cross the finish line first. I just want you to finish. I just don't want you to quit. I just want you to keep going. That's what God's calling you to do. You see, Romans 6:12 says that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. You know, we think so many times, well, I'm the only one who faces this. I'm the only one who goes through this. Nobody else knows what I'm going through. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says the temptation, the test in your life that are no different than that of what others are experiencing. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure it. That little alarm that goes off in you, that little voice that says don't do it, that little thing that, that you know, when you're going somewhere you shouldn't go, that's the Holy Spirit. He's crying out to you. He's saying don't do it. But we ignore it and we push it to the side because we don't spend time with him. You see, your purity, your freedom is costly. So stay pure. Your freedom costs Jesus his life. So make it worth it. Make it count. And Jesus wants to say to you, let me heal you tonight. Let me heal you of all your pain, all your discouragement, all your depression, all your despair. Let me heal you of the wounds that the enemy has inflicted on you. You see, I have scars. I have scars from surgeries that I've had. I have scars that, you know, several, you know, scars. But one day after I'd had surgery, you know, I was looking in the mirror and I was thinking, ugh, you know, <laughs> look at those scars, you know, because we're all vain. You know, we don't want to have those things. But I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, never be ashamed of the scars that life has left you with. Because a scar means that the pain is over. The wound is healed and you survived. You see, that's what we need to understand. You may have scars in your life, but God says, you're not a victim. You are a survivor. There are things that have happened to you in your life and you sit, sit back and we think the what ifs and the what could have, should have and all of those things. And God says, but you're alive. You didn't die. The enemy tried to kill you, but you didn't die. You're alive. Stop holding everyone else in your life hostage to your past pain. 
because he wants to set you free tonight. The scars in your life are a good indication of who you were called to. Stop whining and make a decision that what you've walked through is going to push you to be who God has called you to be. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise, a whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. See, if you work hard for sin your whole life, your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our Master. You see, what you go through should make you stronger. What you walk through should make you stronger. It's a good indication of who you're called to because God says, I've called you to greatness. Just like I said, what I walk through, things I've walked through may have been tough, but God says, but look what I've called you to because of it. Look at the compassion that you have for other people. God says, you walk through that, but you see that little girl over there? She needs you in her life. You see those people over there? They're walking through, you walk through. Show them how to survive. See, God wants more for your life than what you see. Everybody stand with me. You see, every day when you wake up, God is saying, I'm knocking on the door today. He's saying, I'm knocking. Will you answer me today? He's at the door. Revelations 3.20 says, Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table. Just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father, that's my gift to those who conquer. God says, I want you to sit right beside me. You see, God wants to have an encounter with you tonight. See, the woman at the well, she didn't deserve that generosity. She didn't deserve the grace. She didn't deserve any of it, and neither do we. But God says, I see past all of that. I see who I created you to be. You may have gotten a little off course. You may have gotten a little distracted. But I still see who I created you to be. I see you as a champion. I see you as victorious. I see you as a world changer. I see you as such a person that can change a generation for me. I still want to use you in my army. I still want to call you mine. You see, God says, I see you. You see, God wants that encounter with you. And God sees you for more than what you see yourself as. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, there I was in his eyes as one who has found favor. And that word favor in the Greek literally means to be made whole, to be made well, to be for your debts to be paid. So in other words, there I am in God's eyes as one who has been made whole, who has been set apart, who has been made well, who has had my debts paid. God says, I see you as more than you see yourself. And he's calling out to you tonight. There is something so amazing about when you finally wake up and you realize who God has truly called you to be, who God is calling you to be. You see, what is holding you back from your encounter tonight? What is calling, keeping you chained to your seat tonight? Are you going to allow those chains to keep you there forever? 
Or are you going to break free and say, God, I want you more than anything in my life. I don't care what my friends think. I don't care what happened at school last year. I don't care what happened last night. I don't care what people know about me. Because I want to see myself through your eyes tonight. I want to be free tonight. If that's you, I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to plead with you. I'm just going to simply say the king is here to have an encounter with you tonight. Get down to this altar and get on your face before God. Because he says, if you will meet me here, the Bible says, if you seek me with your whole heart, then you will find me. And that's all he requires. That's all he asks is that you simply come to him. And he loves you so much. When you come to this altar, he will meet you here with his arms wide open. If you need him tonight, if you need an encounter with him tonight, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it high in the air and cry out to him. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. I ask for forgiveness, and I accept you as the King and the Lord of my life. Come in and spend time with me. Wash away the old and set my eyes on the future you have for me. No turning back. No shrinking back. I choose to follow you. Cry out to God right now. Call out to him. your eyes I repent of all of my past every little detail and today this day is a fresh start it's a new beginning it's a time of renewal for me today I'm no longer stuck in that cocoon that junk But today, I spread my wings 
and I soar into the destiny you have for me. I love you, Jesus. Now just stretch out your arms. Imagine that you are that butterfly. It may sound weird, but I want you to raise your arms up and stretch them out just like that butterfly. And I want you to envision yourself just soaring across the sky. And as you're soaring across the sky, I want you to look down. And I want you to see that as you're soaring past all the pain, all the hurt, all the rejection, all the junk, all the things you've done, all the things that have been done to you, you're leaving it behind. And up ahead of you, God's saying, now your future begins. He's going to wrap his arms around you right now. He's in this place. And as he's got his arms open wide to you, and you're soaring, just land right into his presence. And listen. If you listen, he'll call you by name. You're not an oops. You're not an accident. You're not abandoned. You're not forgotten. Every tear that has fallen, every prayer that you've prayed, he's heard every one of them. He saw every tear that's fallen. He knows every detail of your life. And if you'll listen, he'll call you by name. He loves you that much. Just spend time in his presence. So many times we want to get so hyped up. But God says, sometimes I just want you to listen to me. I just want you to listen for my voice. I just want you to hear me, spend time with me, so that when you're in those moments of decision, you'll recognize the voice that you hear. Allowing just to wrap you up tonight. Allowing just to hold you tonight.